But uh, before I invite Sam up, a couple of quick things, um, important things. Uh, yesterday, the ladies celebrated the most mature believer in our midst, Charmy. Eighty-five years. I heard you guys had a great time and and competed against each other in games. I didn't know you all were that competitive, but uh, but uh, sounds like you had a great time and and uh, we're just grateful that the Lord has brought. Charmy, you here from Mississippi to Virginia and being part of this uh, fellowship for these several years now. It's been a blessing. So happy birthday to you. We would sing, but we have no time. But they did yesterday. So uh, because of that, again, just wanted to uh, make mention of that. And then uh, Sam and Miriam are both here, but I wanted to acknowledge their 50 years of marriage. And then... Sarah and I will give this to you later, so, because they have traveled all over the world uh, serving the Lord, literally all over the world, and Sam, you've been to Israel more times than you can count, and Russia, and all over, uh, just for your future travels, it, it'll travel easy with you, I promise. So, uh, we've got something in here for you, and uh, we just want to say thank you for uh, serving the Lord, and just to be here for your 50th and celebrate it with us, and us celebrate it with you, uh, we're glad to have you both here, and you were here just a couple months ago, uh, officiating the Seder. Miriam was not here for that, although you kind of, uh, you did the ladies, uh, what is it, we did a ladies conference one day about two years ago, so it's good to have you both together, and I know you serve together, even when they're not together, their books are together and things like that, so, uh, but uh, after the service, you guys get a chance to say hi to both of them and congratulate them on 50 years of marriage, and then uh, before I invite Sam up, we just want to pray for revival. I was actually talking to Sam and Miriam this morning about revival and the fact that they watched the Jesus Revolution last night for the first time and, uh, and said, hey, that was our time. They were in Southern California and, North, and San Francisco, and, and I learned today Sam was in a band. I never knew that, so, uh, although you were the preacher. So, um, but, uh, you know, we're still praying for revival, and we desperately need it, and you guys know that June in our culture, uh, you know, God loves everyone, but um, he asks for humility, not pride. He wants us to humble ourselves and give up any and all things that we're holding on to, any sin. And just for the sake of time, and it's a little tight, uh, rather than get on our knees this morning, let's do that in our hearts. But if you bow your heads, I just want to pray for revival. We're praying for the little island country of Malta, where Paul shipwrecked, uh, so uh, that is also a country, if you did not know that. But uh, let's pray for a revival for our own country, but also for this uh, country of Malta. And uh, then I'll invite Sam up. Lord, we just thank you again this morning that you are a God that's willing to uh, give forgiveness. Uh, Lord, that you're not willing that any should perish. Uh, you've asked us, Lord, uh, to humble ourselves and to receive the grace and mercy that you extend to the whole world. Uh, as for Jesus, you were sent to die for the sins of all the world, for Jews, for Gentiles, and every single nation, every ethnicity, uh, every skin tone, every background. Lord, you died for all that were willing to come. And Jesus, you said, any that are thirsty, let them come. And Lord, we know that uh, you have to uh, show us that thirst. Many people are dead in their trespasses and sin. They don't even know what they're searching for. And so we pray for our country, Lord, uh, here in this month of confusion and idolatry, uh, which is really all the months of the year. But Lord, we see that uh, there's so many that are desperately in need 
of a Savior. And Lord, those that don't believe in you or there may be atheists or following other religions, Lord, we just pray that you'd bring a work of revival, uh, that thousands and millions in our country would be saved in this city, uh, in uh, Charlotte, where the uh, the Nadlers are from, and uh, all over this country, and not only here, but around the world. We pray for revival in America, but also the little country of Malta. Uh, and Lord, we pray that many there would also come to know you. Lord, the gospel was certainly planted there uh, many years ago. And Lord, we pray that uh, you would see, we would see uh, just a renewal of those coming to faith there and around the world and every country, Lord. And we also pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters this morning. We pray that, uh, Lord, you would be with them, you would comfort them, you would release them from their chains. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Without any further delay, Sam. Oh, yeah, there you are. <laughs> Hope you feel that way afterwards. It's a joy, of course, to be here with you, and I do feel like family. Uh, I've been here quite often and uh, pray for you. Uh, as those who know me uh, well understand, this is my very favorite church. I speak in about 50 a year, uh, as well as do planting. The work I do, if you're not familiar with it, is we plant messianic congregations uh, in Jewish communities all around the world. Uh, and I want to welcome uh, the folks from Orhalom here. Uh, please stand up, if you will. Orhalom, the name Orhalom means eternal light. Uh, and that's who Jesus is. He is the eternal light. Uh, you say the light of the world, the light of all. He is the light. Uh, let there be light. And so uh, very, give our regards and our love to the family at Orhalom, if you will. Uh, and we forgive them for not coming here to hear me speak. <laughs> just, just, you know, we're big on forgiveness. Uh, it is our 50th wedding anniversary uh, and uh, we are thrilled to be here. And what we wanted to do, and wh why I'm here, um, is because we wanted to live our life as a thanks offering. And so we're going to be spending quite a bit of time just giving ourselves away uh, in service to God. I appreciate your prayers. Uh, we'll be helping with a new congregation plant up in Lynchburg. Uh, please appreciate your prayers for that and well, other Messianic congregations we're planting as we reach Jewish people with the gospel. Uh, appreciate all your prayers for us. Going back to Israel again uh, and then to the most dangerous place in the world, uh, we're going to California. <laughs> uh, just to say, we really want your prayers for that. You know, just, How bad can it get? You know? uh, and so... And so appreciate your prayers as we're serving God with all our heart, uh, wanting to give ourselves away. And of course, you stand with us in that very truth of it. Uh, thank you for, you know, your prayers go beyond what we can understand. Uh, we do a lot of outreach. We have a Passover outreach. Uh, wasn't that long, a couple of months ago now, in April. Uh, and we have uh, outreach as our light. We have live stream going on all over. Uh, YouTube is like everyone else. Uh, and we have a couple who traveled from Massachusetts all the way down to Charlotte, North Carolina to come to our Passover outreach, our Passover Seder with many hundreds of people. Uh, and I was so taken back. They were, they were secretly an unsaved, uh, unsaved couple. She's Jewish. 
uh, and they were watching us on YouTube. You don't know what's going on out there, you know? When you get the word out, God does things with it. Uh, and so they came and they were kind of, you know, looking around. It was very interesting to them, you know. Uh, they know, didn't understand how people could love them uh, without knowing them. Uh, and I often tell people, you get to love me, but when you know me, that'll be the test of faith. <laughs> Uh, but, and so they were just, they came to the services, they, uh, we went to lunch with them, uh, and over lunch we shared, I, we, sh we showed them from the Bible, Isaiah chapter 53. It was her first time, she couldn't believe her eyes, she read it out loud over lunch, and couldn't believe, she said, when was this? I said, that was written 700 years uh, before the Messiah, before Christ came. She said, you're kidding. Uh, and we prayed for them. They took off back to Massachusetts, and I prayed for God's journey mercies upon them. Uh, and they said, what's that mean? <laughs> they never heard of such a thing. And so I explained, you know, this is a, a, like a really bad world, uh, and you need the mercies of God. You need his hand of protection. And we prayed that Yeshua, that Jesus, would protect you all the way home. She goes, Really? She, and so all the way back to, they were talking about Isaiah 53 and the strange prayer for journey mercies, you know, <laughs> this kind of prayer. As they got into Massachusetts, a car out of nowhere T-boned them, which means just driven to the side of them. Uh, and they were just talking just before about this prayer of journey mercies. And all of a sudden, this car T-boned them. And they came out of the car totally unscratched. And, and she, uh, her name is Iris, a Jewish woman. She, she cried out, he answered the prayer. Jesus is Lord. Jesus. <laughs> now, what does that mean? Your prayers go on way beyond our understanding. Uh, God uses his word beyond our comprehension. Uh, it's just amazing how much he wants to save souls, how much he wants to make a difference in this world through us, our prayers, our ministry, and all that's going on. What a great God we have here. And so uh, we want to understand how great he is. Uh, you received the bulletin. Uh, inside is really what I'll be following. The scriptures are on the left side. If you look at, open it up. On the right side uh, are the outline. Uh, you'll notice the... the the scripture on the left, and on, uh, below the scriptures, I have rabbinical writings. You say, what is that? Well, you're in for it this morning. <laughs> I, I mentioned to Tim, I said, are they up to being able to take one of my PowerPoint presentations? He says, be gentle with them. So. <laughs> and so I, I don't know what gentle means, but here we go. Uh, and so we want to just understand uh, the issues here of uh, what we're talking about. It's hard for us to comprehend how important the death of Jesus is. Now on the screen, you'll see Yeshua, because I do mostly uh, work with Jewish people. We reach out to Jewish people, and so we use Hebrew and things, but not too much this morning, okay? Uh, just enough to keep you on your toes. Uh, but we want to understand uh, the importance of the death of Jesus. So it gets by us, uh, and we don't we miss it uh, because we're so thankful for his miracles. What a great God we have. 
Uh, we're so thankful for the word of God and the teaching of Jesus, you know. No man ever spoke like him, uh, the living word of God. Uh, and we, we've just praised God, but we want to understand the importance of his death, uh, the atonement he made for us. Uh, the word atonement uh, is a made-up word in English, at one minute, at one minute, reconciliation. Uh, and so the death of Jesus uh, is the finished work. Uh, John 19:30 uh, says it is finished. And so he didn't say that at the resurrection, although he praised God for the resurrection. He didn't say that at the ascension, when he went to the right hand of the Father to intercede for us forever. He didn't say it then. He said it on the cross. The death of Jesus is the finished work, and the finished work of the Messiah is the perfect work of God for us. And we want to understand a little bit more, grow a little bit more into this perfect work that God has for us, where everything is covered uh, in Jesus' blood. And in his atonement, in him we are complete because of what he did at the cross. Everything is uh, finished for your sake now and forever in the death of the Savior. It is understandably beyond our comprehension. And forever in eternity... Uh, you say eternity. Yes, I, I write books. Uh, and uh, my latest, uh, just I forget about it. I have to say it before my wife gets mad at me. Uh, miss, uh, from the first three chapters of Revelation, doing a, a series on Revelation. Uh, and you say, well, what, what do you mean? Everything is about the finished work, not only for now, but forever. And that's why in the book of Revelation, what you mostly read about is the lamb that was slain. The lamb will be glorified forever and ever as we start to understand the fullness of that redemption, that salvation, uh, that atonement that we have in our Lord Jesus. For Jew and Gentile alike, of course, for all who will believe. And so we want to appreciate that a little bit more this morning. And so I'll be looking at, and you're having your bulletin there, our Yom Kippur Jubilee Freedom. Now, Yom Kippur is Hebrew for Day of Atonement. Day of Atonement. Uh, in the Bible, just Yom Kippur. Uh, in the Hebrew, Day of Atonement. You say, well, that was then. What about now? Well, we want to appreciate that you are children of Abraham by faith in Jesus. Amen. You say, well, what do you mean? You have the faith of Abraham. See, everything that was in the Old Testament, everything that was in the Hebrew scriptures, if you will, everything there anticipated what God would do in the Messiah, in the Lord Jesus, because that's the finished work. And therefore, Abraham was glad to see his day. And so therefore, whether it be Abraham, whether it be David or Isaiah, whoever it may be, they anticipated what God would do for them in the Messiah. They anticipated that full atonement. They looked to it. They trusted in it. Uh, and therefore, for us who live in the day we live in now, we appropriate by faith. They anticipated by faith. We appropriate by faith, what God has provided in Jesus. All the same faith. You, that's why you're children of Abraham. 
because you have the faith of Abraham as you're looking to Jesus, trusting in him, into that finished work, who he is and what he has done for us. And so we'll be taking a look at that finished work uh, as it's actually proclaimed uh, at the time of Jubilee. Jubilee. Uh, you say, well, what is that? It's uh, the 50th year was the Jubilee year. Well, excuse me, I, in the resurrection, I get the right ears for the job. Right now, I have to kind of keep working with the stuff, you know. I mean, uh, but in any case, if anyone has a particular healing ministry for ears, I'd like to talk to you really right after I get my ear so everything fits. Uh, but in any case, we want to understand uh, this liberty uh, that we have. The Jubilee was a time when people uh, returned to what they lost. Uh, they were out of their land because of poverty or because of wickedness. But when the 50th year came about, there was a release and a return to what they lost. This is what Jesus did for us in our atonement. Everything we lost because of Adam, when you get to heaven, you can yell at him. I know I'm going, I, got, I can't wait to yell at him for a while. But in any case, what we lost because of Adam, uh, therefore we have a restoration in our Lord Jesus and what he, we have in his atonement. And so we consider this matter. Uh, how many people love reading scripture? Well, love it or not, that's what you're going to do. <laughs> Let's read together out loud and in unison the scripture on the screens. Here we go. You are also to count off seven Sabbaths of years for yourself, seven times seven years, so that you'll have the time of seven Sabbaths of years, namely 49 years. You shall then sound a ram's horn abroad on the 10th day of the seventh month. On the day of atonement, you shall sound a horn all through your land, and you shall consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. You shall have the 50th year. Our God and Father, how thankful we are uh, that we get to not only re re receive this li liberty, this freedom we have in our Lord Jesus in his atonement for our sins, but we get to proclaim liberty. Those who receive it get to proclaim it. Lord, you've shown us how we know we receive it because we proclaim it. And so even now we pray that the Holy Spirit would work in our hearts, uh, bringing us to a place where we glorify that name that's above every name, that the name of Jesus would be lifted up, magnified, for it's in his name we give thanks, amen and amen. And so I want to just, you know, when you look at the Liberty Bell, uh, on the inside of the Liberty Bell, there's an inscription from what we just read from Leviticus 25.10. In the Liberty Bell, it says, proclaim liberty throughout all the land to the inhabitants thereof. And so the identification of of the jubilee and liberty is there for something even in the liberty bell. How about your marriage? You say, what do you mean? Well, what is your marriage like? Is it a ball and chain? Is that what your marriage is like? And often people joke of such matters. Some of you starting to sweat already. I, I can see it, so I'm sorry for you. Or is, or is your marriage an opportunity of fulfillment? 
You say, marriage and fulfillment, what are you talking about? Everything God does for you is to fulfill your life. Your marriage is intended by God to enrich you. That's why opposites attract. And when you walk in love, when you walk in the spirit, your opposites are going to be complementary to each other, not conflicting with each other. But when you walk in the flesh, you're going to be conflicting to each other because of the fact that you're different. But when you're walking in the spirit, the intention of God was that your spouse is going to enrich your life by their perspective that is different on the same situation. That's how you grow. It is meant to fulfill your life. But because of sin, because of the sin nature, therefore everything good gets corrupted. Everything good gets corrupted. And people who talk about liberty don't understand liberty without the atonement. You say, I don't understand. What do you mean? Because people abuse their liberty. And in our country, they don't know what to do with this liberty. As they therefore abuse it and abuse themselves and other people as well. And teach it in the school systems. What's going on with liberty is a total corruption. Why? Because without atonement, there is no genuine purpose for liberty. Because you're in the bondage of sin. Therefore, it is working its way out through your liberty. That's all that's going on. You need the atonement. And so everything that God has established is established by God to fulfill you uh, in your freedom that you might live out the life he called you, created you to live. But without the saving grace that God has, marriage is therefore going to be rather repressive. It's going to be therefore like a, a choking. People are going to feel unfulfilled. They're not going to understand what their lives are like. It's only in the grace of God that marriage will therefore be an opportunity for growth and development. Because as we often teach at our marriage seminars, uh, we have one coming up in July, uh, just to let you know. At our marriage seminars, we often, we tell people, listen, you need to grow together or you will grow apart. You must grow together or you will grow apart. You both have to be looking to the Savior. You both have to be trusting in him, depending on him. He has to be the centerpiece. And so we think about my marriage for 50 years. All we see is the grace of God. All Miriam and I can see is the grace of God, all that we have. You say, well, what are you talking about? Because of the freedom that we've experienced in our marriage, to be able to find fulfillment in our marriage. Not only because my wife is working on her fifth book, which is going to be great. It's called Messiah, the Healer of Women. Isn't that great? I happen to think it's a healer of men too, but that'll be my book. So... (laughs) Yes, her book. <laughs> and so when we think about the Jubilee year uh, in Leviticus chapter 25, uh, the command to proclaim liberty, that phrase to proclaim liberty becomes a theme through the scriptures as we'll take a look at it. Uh, it's found then again when we see the issue of this Jubilee. We now see it in a messianic prophecy in Isaiah chapter 61. Uh, And then we're going to see the fulfillment of that prophecy and of the jubilee freedom and liberty we have in Luke chapter 4 as Jesus 
is now teaching on this very matter that we'll be looking at a little bit. And so the, this Yom Kippur, this Day of Atonement Jubilee is prophetic, and that was the intention of it. Because all that we find in the Hebrew Scriptures there anticipated the fulfillment in the Messiah. And as we study the Word of God and understand it, we can see through those matters how it was pointing to Jesus. Uh, as it says in Galatians uh, chapter 3, like a tutor leading us to Christ, focusing us upon him. Everything focuses upon Jesus. Everything looks to the Messiah. Everything in the universe, there's only one centerpiece to it all, and that is Jesus. All the attention, glory, praise goes to him accordingly. And so when we look at the New Testament, the New Covenant, this is why we find the amazing things. For those who've read my books, you're, you're hip to the trip on the matter. But the fact of the matter is, all the apostles and all the believers, while the apostles were around, all observed the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. You say, that is just nuts. What's going on? Because of the testimony, how it points to Jesus as our atonement. It was a time of praise, honor in the fulfillment he brings, but also to understand the freedom in his sacrifice and everything else. You say, do you really think that they kept the Day of Atonement? Yeah, I really do think so. Do I sound unsure of myself? Yeah, absolutely. You say, well, how can it be? Notice at the bottom of the screen, the bottom left of the screen, you see there, I have a portion from Acts 27, verse 9, the shipwreck of Paul. And so in that portion of Scripture, you'll notice something. When You can check your own Bibles out if you think I make this stuff up. Uh, so Acts 27, 9 says, uh, when the, now when much time had been spent and sailing was now dangerous because the fast was already over. What a strange thing, fast. What fast? What are you talking about? Dealing with the Day of Atonement. In Isaiah 58, the Day of Atonement is called Hatzom, the fast. The fa and you say, well, why would they? Because it was a date marker. How could that be a date marker? Well, it's just like if I said Labor Day weekend or something. Everyone in America knows when that takes place, you know? The fast. Every believer in Jesus, that's why Luke recorded it this way. Every believer in Jesus in the first century understood the festivals of Israel in so well that they could say the fast as a date marker. And it was that, therefore, it was that obvious and evident to all of them because how Jesus fulfilled it all. And therefore, they pray for the peace of Jerusalem, that the Jewish people might have that same salvation. Glory to God. Thank you for your prayers. And so we want to understand uh, this day of atonement business. Uh, every time we see the reoccurrence of it, we want to remember that. You say, what do you mean? It's the foundation, the foundation for everything. You know, John 13, 8, uh, Revelation 13, 8, the lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world. What? Everything in history is a rollout of the atonement. Everything we know of that is meaningful for our life and eternal is, has to do with the atonement of Jesus. And so, therefore, the Bible was written in such a way so to be a rollout of the eternal salvation and redemption we have in our Lord Jesus. 
and this proclaimed liberty becomes the theme as we think about our lives and the expanding opportunity we have as we fulfill the Lord's purpose uh, through it all in a liberated creation. The outline uh, you have in your bulletins, and so you can take all your notes if you wish. Otherwise, a few years now, I may deny saying what I'm saying. You say, you'll do that? If you don't take notes, you can't prove it. So, you know, you never know. Just help me out. And so we want to understand, you notice the way I write, and this is kind of the thing that, that Tim was a little frightened of, is how complicated, you know, the, the, the mind, the beautiful mind of Sam Nadler here. And so at the top, I have the point we're on. And underneath the top point, I then have the scripture we're looking at. Then under that, what I have to say about such matters, okay, with pictures uh, for the young people here, just want to say. And so uh, we want to understand here, you shall sound a ram's horn abroad on the tenth day of the seventh month, the day of atonement, you shall sound a horn all throughout your land, and therefore the jubilees, the freedom of forgiveness in reconciliation. In reconciliation with God is our freedom. Uh, listen, Jesus said, if you abide in me, you bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. nothing. You're kidding. Nothing good. <laughs> nothing godly. Nothing worth your effort. Nothing worth eternity. And therefore, I want to understand uh, what it is in this matter here. Our liberty and all we have is found in the forgiveness, in the reconciliation. Uh, and it's proclaimed on the Day of Atonement. Why? Because the problem, you know, why would they have proclaiming liberty on the Day of Atonement? Why would they do that? Because there is a secret in the Bible that we proclaim to everyone, that every single person who is born is born into sin. They have a sin nature. They're in bondage to sin, even though... They're cute little sinners. <laughs> Beware. I was once cute. This is your future. Start working out now. <laughs> but understand, if you will, here, that the problem humanity has is the bondage of sin. That is the real problem that they, they have. Uh, and therefore, the only answer to that is the atonement that God made for us in Jesus that is therefore prefigured on the Day of Atonement. And therefore, we see the picture here that there's going to be actual freedom, freedom from the bondage of sin through the atonement that God made in the Messiah. Only God's atonement will break the bondage. And I don't know what your bondage is. Maybe it has to do with lying. Maybe that's do it fibbing, exaggerating, trying to get yourself in or out of trouble accordingly. I don't know what you do with your lies, but it's a bondage. Maybe it has to do with lust. Maybe you're unable uh, to keep your attention because of lust. And maybe you're finding yourself with, I don't know, all kinds of porn activity uh, uh, on the internet and struggling to deal with these things. Or maybe that's do with fear, the bondage of fear. God has not given you a spirit of fear, 
by the power of love and the sound mind. But without the atonement of Jesus, you're stuck in the bondage of fear. But God wants to deliver you from that through the atonement what Jesus made. Someone says, well, how do you account for 50 years of marriage? The atonement of Jesus, it's foundational for our lives. It's foundational for our marriage. And not only foundational, he's the centerpiece. You don't know how many people uh, are at this point unmarried. Raise your hand. Okay. All right. Okay, listen, listen. Let me prepare you for marriage. Start for... Get pra- start practicing forgiveness because you'll be forgiving a lot when you get married. And all, and all the married couples said, amen, amen. amen. The, this atonement that we have is what is the linchpin to our marriages. This is what's key to our relationship and all of our relationships is founded upon what Jesus has done for us because apart from him, we can do nothing. No marriage has a hope, has a chance of being able to give glory to God apart from Jesus. It's not going to be fulfilling for you. Oh, you may learn to tolerate. And it's amazing how much pain people can tolerate. But the fact is you won't be fulfilled in your marriage or any other relationship apart from what Jesus has done for you. That is the key issue for your life now and forever. And so it says there uh, that on the Day of Atonement, this is when restoration took place for Israel in its service for God. It was a national day of atonement. In other words, uh, for Israel, it was the day that they were renewed as a service nation to God. And one day when my people, my brethren, according to my flesh, uh, when they come to national faith in Jesus, which I pray for every day, uh, then they will have the fulfillment of that prophetic event of the Day of Atonement that is detailed out in Zechariah uh, 12, 10 to 13, 1 where you see the prophecy, the fulfillment of the Day of Atonement for national Israel. But back when this was given through Moses, it was a time when they renewed in their service to God. Why? Because forgiveness and reconciliation, what will get you both on in, back into a, a reconciled relation? The blood of Jesus. You say, well, I'm expecting him to apologize. I'm expecting her to start respecting me. Don't hold your breath. It's the blood of Jesus. Don't look to works. Beware. You may be expecting something that the other person just isn't prepared to give. And therefore, you are anchoring yourself to an unfulfillment. You're fulfilled in Jesus that you can minister life to your spouse. You're not looking to your spouse to fulfill your life. That's Jesus' work. And then when you look to him, you then become an instrument of grace to your spouse. That's how, otherwise, you know the problem. You know the problem. You know what the flea is, F-L-E-A? You know what the flea is? Most marriages are like two fleas hoping the other one's the dog. <laughs> Looking for fulfillment from the other person. They, 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 they intend well, they just can't deliver. 
because they need what God alone can do too. And when you demand from each other because you have a genuine need, you may be substituting your spouse for the God who alone can meet your need in the atonement of Jesus, in the atonement of Jesus. And so we want to understand the liberty and the reconciliation, the atonement for forgiveness, foundation to all spiritual liberty. This is the liberty we have in our Messiah. It was for liberty that Messiah liberated us, set us free, for liberty to live that out. This is what happens because of the foundation that we have in this liberty. But it goes on in verse 10 there. And it says in verse 10, uh, then consecrate the 50th year, proclaiming liberty through all the land. It shall be a jubilee for you. Jubilee, the freedom, forgiveness, and the release. Understand here, if you will. Picture this. You have the, the atonement. You got that? Listen. Then you have the consecration. Then you have the proclamation. You have the atonement first then the consecration, then the proclamation. Let's understand what's going on in our lives regarding these matters here. Consecrate the year and then proclaim liberty. You first, you see some of us, listen, we understand Jesus died for sins and praise God he died for my sins. Hallelujah, he died for my sins. Now what will my response be to that? You say, well, I'm going to believe on it. Well, if you believe on it, let me tell you what you're doing. It's not merely intellectual assent. You're not agreeing to some intellectual fact, historical fact. Jesus came, died for sins, hallelujah. No, by your faith in Jesus, you are now setting yourself apart unto God. You are now setting your time, talent, and treasure apart unto God, by believing in Jesus. You say, well, hold it a second. My time, talent, treasure is my business. You keep away from my wallet. No, no. You are not your own. You've been bought with the price. Every time you start thinking you're your own, your eyes are off the Lord, and apart from him, you can do. So understand, many marriages are nothing. Because apart from him, we can do nothing. Many relationships are like nothing, spinning your wheels. No, no, there has to be, you have to understand by trusting in the atonement. Listen, God declared you by faith in Jesus, you're a saint. You say, I don't feel like a saint. Then I don't care how you feel. <laughs> Stop looking at your feelings, I'm telling you the facts. Because of his sacrifice, his perfect sacrifice, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10 and 14. Because of his perfect sacrifice, you've been perfected and sanctified. You're a saint. You're growing into who you are, but you are a saint. I want you to say hello to the person next to you. Say hello, saint, right now. This is heaven. You are not who your flesh says you are. You are not who your flesh says you are. Amen. Your failures are uncharacteristic to a child of God. And that's why we repent of moral failure. You are who God says you are. And you're a saint. You've been set apart by trusting in that sacrifice for atonement. You were then set apart as a saint. You've been consecrated. Understand, consecrated, set apart. 
And therefore, as you mature in the Lord, as you grow in conformity to Jesus, therefore, that's going to be seen in the application to your time, talent, treasure, thought life, relationships, more and more. He must increase and I must more of him, less of me. In my time, more of him, less of me. In my talent, more of him, less of me. In my finances, more of him, less of me. Less loose using my time. People wonder, Sam, I don't understand how you can spend your 50th anniversary wanting to go around and serving. I can't understand living otherwise. How can you not live to the glory of God? How can you not want to proclaim liberty? Share the good news. Why do you do it? Because I'm consecrated. Those who are consecrated are proclaiming liberty. This is actually the calling we have because there's so many still in bondage. And therefore, God wants us to proclaim this liberty. We want to appreciate this liberty because liberty without consecration is merely desecration and corruption. If you have liberty without consecration, <laughs> you've been desecrated and corrupted. And therefore, you want to look at your life, let the Holy Spirit do a little internal uh, survey there in your soul and see right now whether or not there are areas of your life that you've held back as me time, <laughs> me money, <laughs> Me, me, me. And see if the Lord, you know, cleanse it in the atonement, find it useful to his glory, uh, that you consecrate it, and therefore through that live out the liberty you have. Because what's not consecrated is still in bondage. What you have not set apart, what you've not given to the Lord, what you've not yielded to the Lord. If you want to experience freedom, it's not what you do. Surrender more to who he is and what he's done for you. Surrender for the freedom. It's through the consecration that the liberty is proclaimed, evidenced, de declared to a world in bondage of how free we are, that we can love even though we're not loved back. We can be forgiving to people who don't understand the word. Or we can be kind to people who think they can take advantage of kind people. We don't care. We understand we're free. I'm free from them, their opinion, and what they're going to think of me. Because I live for one thing. He must increase. I must a whole lot more, too, as we continue to grow here in these matters. And so the word that is used in the Hebrew uh, for liberty, doror, doror, we're going to see that. And then the Greek, in the Greek translation that the rabbis wrote, they had the word ephesin, doror. Let's try Doror together. One, two, three. Doror. A bilingual congregation. <laughs> and the Greek word is Ephesin. Let's try that. One, two, three. Ephesin. You now speak multiple languages. What a congregation, I'm telling you. And this is actually the words that are used in the other sections of Scripture. It has to do with release, cancellation of obligation, pardon and forgiveness of sins. This is how the Bible uses these words here. And therefore, because of his freeing forgiveness, we can now minister forgiveness. We proclaim liberty. We proclaim, li we set people free. 
Isn't that, that's what forgiveness does. You're setting them free. I forgive you. I don't care. I still forgive you. You see, I'm not in the bondage of hate. I'm not in the bondage of resentment. By freeing you, I'm enjoying my liberty. By not freeing you with forgiveness, I'm in the grips of resentment. So we want to move along, if we can, understand the proclaiming. What we do here with the Jubilee horns. You know, there are times that the Jubilee horns uh, 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 were used is found uh, when they circled uh, Jericho. Remember when they circled and they blew the, the, the word there that's used there for the horns are the Jubilee horns, the Yovel. Uh, they blew. You say, I don't understand. You see, what God was doing was offering the pagans liberty to, to surrender and have peace. That's why they were blowing those horns, but they resisted. They refused to repent. They refused to submit to the living God. And therefore, only thing that comes from that is destruction. But understand, the reason they were doing what they were doing was to bring people to peace, to proclaim liberty with the jubilee horns. That's what's going on now as we proclaim the good news to everyone who can hear it. You know, when you read through the Bible, Deuteronomy 20, I have up on the screen there, during 20, 10 to 11, it says, when you come to a city, offer it peace. And if they open up to you, you'll be at peace with them. But if they resist you, then there'll be trouble. Understand what God is offering each one of us. And so we then see as that word, I'm hoping for the rapture before the next point is concluded. <laughs> I may not have finished my sermon, and so I'm hoping for the rapture. That's, Isaiah 61, can you see it underneath the second point? Proclaim liberty in the jubilee of his favor, favor. Let's read Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2 together. Can you see it on the screen there? Let's read it together. Here we go. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to captives and freedom to prisoners to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Understand the same proclaim liberty is the exact same phrase from Leviticus chapter 25. And this is a prophecy that Messiah fulfilled in Luke chapter 4. And you say, well, what is this for? The truth of each of these matters is found in his finished work. In the finished work of his atonement here, it's good news to those who are afflicted. It's good news for them. It is healing of broken... Is your, are you living with a broken heart? God wants to bring healing through the atonement of Jesus, the finished work of Jesus. We'll bring healing to your broken heart. Uh, and then to bring liberty, liberty to those who are captives if you're in bondage to sin and various kinds of sins. There is freedom and there is favor. God's unmerited, God has favor for you. He has grace for you that you might glorify him forever. And so to proclaim liberty, you'll notice the parallel I have up there for you. You'll notice the boxes I put up there. To proclaim liberty is now to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. You get that? To proclaim liberty is to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. They're parallel here. One helps us explain the other here. Why? Because liberty is by his favor, his grace. 
There is liberty in the grace of God. This is what the atonement brought. You say, well, isn't God gracious to everybody? He absolutely is, if they'll accept the atonement. It's all found in Jesus. It's all, if I came to your house, and I went, my, I, if you're a good cook, I don't mind coming. But if I came to your house, and I brought a cake with me, and you said, I hate you, okay, but I want your cake. What? Love me, love my cake. No, you don't get the cake without me. You see, we, don't, we want the grace of God without the Savior. There is no grace of God without the Savior because all the grace of God is in the Savior in what he did for us. In what he did for us is the grace of God. And so people need to trust in the Savior to have the grace of God. And so the word that's used here, the favorable year, the ratzon, uh, uh, in the Greek, we'll take a look at that as well, it has to do with acceptable, uh, the gracious acceptance of God, how he just graciously accepts you because the atonement has been made. And so the jubilee year is now called the favorable year. Uh, not just the 50th year. It's now a time of divine favor. You say, what do you mean divine favor? Can you see the scripture on the right bottom, bottom right of the screen? Can you see that scripture? Let's read that together. Read it with me. Here we go. Through him we have also obtained access by faith. The grace in which we stand. You're ever in that grace. You say, I don't understand. I, I, I sometimes have really bad days. I know. I have a few of them myself. But it's the grace in which you stand. If you were with Noah in the ark, and if you're like me and you're clumsy and you trip over things, who put that zebra over there or something like that? If you fell, listen, you fell in the ark, not out of the ark. You fall in the grace of God, not out of the grace of God. You have to understand what God has done for you in the finished work of Messiah. Therefore, he no longer calls you a sinner. He calls you a child of God. He no longer treats you like a sinner. But as his child, growing slowly in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. And so we want to appreciate who this is for. It's for those who are afflicted. It's for those who are despairing. You notice what he talks about, good news to the afflicted, to the despairing, the brokenhearted, those who've given up on love, those who've given up on hope, those who think it's all just a waste of time, they've given themselves over to despair because of the pain. Uh, it's for those people uh, who are captives and prisoners who think there's no hope, they're in this bondage of sin and think there's nothing that can be done about it. That's who it's for. You say, well, I'm not that bad off. Then it's not for you. If you don't realize, the oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this bondage of death? Who will deliver me from this body of death? If you don't understand the desperate situation, you'll never appreciate the cure. You think it won't be necessary. But if you understand that because of sin and your sin nature, therefore, you're in a desperate situation. There is no good thing in your flesh. Therefore, the only hope for you is what God has provided in the Messiah. This is the good news for those who are afflicted. But for those who are living in their own pride, in their own self-righteousness, they don't think they, they need that kind of help. You're dead wrong. 
You're dead wrong. You're dead in your sins and trespasses. You're dead wrong, and you need the Savior. You need to understand what he brings, the gracious sacrifice, forgiveness, and the fullness of life that we then live out accordingly. And so when we think about this matter here, this a portion of Scripture, this is a prophecy of the Messiah. Uh, it's therefore we see in the Dead Sea Scrolls. I have it up there for you. Have it in your bulletin. The Dead Sea Scrolls therefore spoke of this prophecy in Isaiah regarding the Messiah. Uh, this is how it was understood in first-century Judaism and in the Middle Ages. Uh, you say, well, did they believe in Jesus? No, that's the heartbreak. They understood and referred to Messiah, but because the Christians were not bringing the gospel in love, but were terrifying and tyrannizing the Jewish communities of Europe, they therefore understood it was Messiah, but they didn't believe that these Christians knew that kind of Messiah because they had never received that kind of love. They weren't the living letters of love they were supposed to be. They took advantage of authority and power. What happens when we put people with too much power? And so understand, if you will, they didn't understand that. But for those of us who know the Messiah, if they can recognize it, how much more should we be rejoicing in the truth of these promises, in the truth of God's word here? And so the issue here, the Lord is upon me, anointed me. He's anointed me. What do you mean he anointed me? He anoints for one purpose. This is what the work of the Holy Spirit the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. The Lord has anointed me to bring. This is exactly what Jesus told us in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Can you see that on the right side of the screen there? Let's read that scripture for Acts 1 8 together. Here we go. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses. And Samaria and you shall receive power. What for? To be his witnesses. For God's purpose. Because you are not your own. You now live out the purpose of God as a consecrated servant. Because of the forgiveness you have, you now become an instrument of his forgiveness. As you proclaim his forgiveness, his redemption, his salvation, and all that he brings. And so we finally come to the section uh, in Luke chapter 4 where Jesus shows the fulfillment of it all, how he brings it all together in himself. Okay, let's read together. This is, you say, this is a lot of scripture. You're getting your devotions out of the way early in the week. You're welcome. Let's read together. Luke chapter 4, 16 through 21. Here we go. And Yeshua came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to synagogue on the Sabbath day. He stood to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and to recover the sight of the to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him and began to say to them, He is the fulfillment. 
He is the fulfillment. What a shock to the system of everyone who knew him at the time. This is the fulfillment of all scripture. He's the one who is the application of it all for our life. It's all about him. He is the fulfillment. He is the fulfillment. There is no other fulfillment. Listen very carefully. There's no other fulfillment for you. There's no other fulfillment for you. And therefore, you can experience that as you live for him in your marriage. You can therefore, in your marriage, be a testimony of his grace, his love, his kindness, his forgiveness, and his mercy. And therefore, your marriage becomes a living testimony of what God alone can do through the atonement of Jesus, through the forgiveness we receive in him. No other fulfillment for your life but what is found in Jesus our Lord. And so the word fulfilled there to be filled up. And therefore, we can find the same word as used Colossians. In him, you are complete. Listen very carefully. Your marriage is complete in him. Your marriage is complete in him. It's fulfilled in him, not apart from him. Apart from him, you can do nothing. It's fulfilled in him. When your eyes are on him, if you get your eyes off of him, that's where the issues come up. And so what you do when you get your eyes off him is recognize, I need to repent, look to him, trust in him, trust in the blood of Jesus, trust in what he has done for me, and therefore be an instrument, a renewed instrument to my spouse to live out the forgiveness and grace and mercy that I have in the Lord. Uh, this is always to be done accordingly. And in the perfect tense in the Greek there, it is fulfilled and stays fulfilled. It is complete and stays complete. This is how our lives are lived out. We continue to look to him, trust in him. And if you're feeling incomplete, look to him. Place your faith in him. I don't sure where your faith is gone. And so it says today. Now is the day. And so the word that's used there, dekton, that was used by the rabbis when it talked about the favorable year of the Lord, Paul uses that exact phrase and uses it as we see here in 2 Corinthians 6.2. Let's read 2 Corinthians 6.2 together on the right side of the screen. Here we go. For he says, I heard you, and the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now, behold, now, now, today, right now. What about tomorrow? It's not promised. Now is the opportunity. Now is the acceptable. Now is the favorable year of the Lord. Now is all that we have. Now we have an opportunity. Now is the day. Now Messiah wants to fulfill your life. Now he wants to transform your marriage into a testimony and a trophy of grace. Now he wants to make a difference. And so fulfillment is not a place. It's not Israel, though that was a down payment on the promises of God for Israel. Fulfillment is not a period of time, although in eternity we see the full blessing of the whole matter. But fulfillment is a person. It is Jesus. He's the fulfillment of all scripture. He's the fulfillment of every life, of every soul, and every marriage that trusts in him. He's the fulfillment that he brings. He is the first, he's the last, our atonement, our jubilee. In him, we are complete. And so we want to understand this matter for ourselves. This is the fulfillment of our lives. What God has done in the jubilee. And so this 50th year of our marriage will be our jubilee year. Guess what we'll be talking about? <laughs> will you be talking about how wonderful a wife you have? Well, she's a wonderful wife. 
because of the grace of God. Sam, are you a wonderful man? By the grace of God. There was certainly a Tuesday, I think it was back in 84. Just want to say, I had my moment there. But the truth of the matter is, it's about Jesus. It's about proclaiming liberty and the liberator, the one who brings forgiveness, who brings hope. This is the one that fulfills our life now and forever. There's no one else to talk about. There's no one else to hope in. And therefore, we want to proclaim this jubilee in Jesus. He is our jubilee. Now and forever. Complete, fulfilled, loved, and sent forth. Let's pray right now. As we bow our hearts before God, it is my custom, after I share the word of God, after it hits me so hard, maybe you also have been the Holy Spirit doing a work in you where you realize there's some time of your time, talent, treasure that may need to be consecrated because you are consecrated, that you might live out the fulfillment, the liberty, the freedom through your consecration as you trust in his atonement. Maybe you're here and you've never personally trusted in Jesus. You've never personally trusted in his atonement, his forgiveness for sins. I'm going to close with a very simple prayer that I'd like the worship team to pray with me as well. And for those who are here in your heart, God hears your heart, pray with me. For those at the AV booth there, pray with me. Uh, for those in the back of the room, pray with me. Let God do a work in your own heart. And if there's a need in your heart, bring it to the Lord. He hears your heart. He hears your thoughts. Not just the words of your lips, but the meditations of your heart may be pleasing to him. In your heart, pray. Dear God, forgive me for my selfishness. Forgive me for my fears. Forgive me for my pride. Cleanse my sins away. Through the blood of Jesus, your son. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. And while everybody's eyes are closed, everyone else's eyes are closed in prayer, I want to pray for you. If you prayed that prayer to have Jesus be your Messiah, your Lord, your Savior this morning, trusting in what he did for you, not what you can do for him, what he did for you, if that was your prayer, right where you are, just raise your hand once, right where you are, so I can pray for you. I just want to pray for you before we leave. Amen. Yes. Anyone else? Just Yes, I see your hand. Yes, anyone else? Just raise your hand once. Just want to pray for you right where you are. Father, you see hands, you see hearts, you know us and you love us. We thank you, Lord. Even now, we pray the Holy Spirit would confirm to our hearts not only the truth of your love, but the fullness of our salvation. For in him we are complete. In Jesus we are complete. In that sacrifice we are complete. In that finished work. Oh, thank you, Lord. Now send us from here to be instruments of proclamation, to proclaim liberty to those in bondage, to those who are afflicted, to those who are captive, to those without hope, 
to let them know there's a God who cares about them. Add your blessing, we pray, for in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer, please talk to one of the elders. They'll be happy to pray with you about what God's doing in your life.